Welcome to another exciting round of the Golf Industry Roundtable. I'm Kyle Taylor. He's Rob Hoffman. And Here I am. today we are going to do a deep dive in uh, course renovation. We've got uh, a real treat with some folks from Marriott, and I'll let you kind of uh, take over from, from here since you've done a lot of work with them, Rob. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, we're excited to have the Orlando World Center Marriott and the Hawks Landing Golf Club. So the director of golf there, Chris Jones, and their director of grounds, who is Josh Kelly, is going to be joining us here in just a little bit, too. And director of grounds, Josh, it's not just the golf course. It's the entire Orlando World Center property. Um, Chris, tell us a little bit if you can. Welcome to the show, by the way. It's, it's great you. to have you on. Tell us a little bit first, so everybody kind of understands the scope of what we're talking about for those who aren't familiar. The Orlando World Center Hotel, the Marriott, just that in itself. Talk a little bit about the size of this property and where it kind of ranks in Marriott and the Americas, because it's not just an ordinary Marriott hotel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for uh, having me. And, and the Orlando World Center Marriott's a very special property. Um, obviously, within Marriott, it's, uh, all the brands that we that we have, but specifically the Marriott brand. Uh, the World Center is the uh, largest uh, hotel that we do have under the brand. We have uh, 2,010 rooms here on site. Uh, the campus makes up uh, about 220 acres total. Um, within that, we are very much a uh, convention uh, hotel. We have 450,000 square feet of convention space. Um, we have nine different restaurants on site. And then uh, we do have the wonderful Hawks Landing uh, Golf Club that goes around the property, 18 hole championship course. Uh, so, I mean, just all in all, it's a fantastic property and certainly a, a flagship for uh, Marriott to have right in the, in the heart of Orlando. Very cool. Very cool. And when you do say that the golf course does go around the property, it's true. I've played it a couple of times. It's, it's a circle all the way around the property. So it's cool views when you're there the entire time. Um, this project we wanted to talk about today, it's kind of a big thing necessitated by hotel construction, as I understand it, some changes there. And um, well, I mean, maybe just describe a little bit what's, what's going on and why you guys had to make these changes. And, you know, I know a lot of golf course operators that listen to us, we want to kind of dig into like what's been involved in, in all of that and physically changing your golf course. Cause it's a big undertaking. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's been, uh, my understanding a couple of years in the making, I've been here at the property for a year and a half, but ultimately, um, you know, I said we had 450,000 square feet of meeting space. Well, I guess that's just not enough. Um, so the uh, resort is adding on another 60,000 square feet of uh, meeting space. And ultimately in order to, to make room for that, um, having to expand, the only place that really to expand on the property is to, uh, is to go into the golf course. So um, where we had uh, kind of right beside the clubhouse, we had hole number 10 and, and uh, hole number 18. They're actually gonna encroach into hole number uh, 10. And so with that being said, it, it impacted the golf course totally. So we do had to come in with a, a redesign and, and different layout to, to accommodate these changes. Well, the, the big reveal, which you'll get to, is the construction of a new kind of a island green. But as you looked at kind of some of the possibilities, was, was that the only possibility or were there some other configurations that you looked at and before you zero it in on, on the island green? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, the 
golf course was built originally in, in 1986, um, and it was a Joe Lee design at the time. And then in 1998, the uh, golf course got a redesign uh, by Bobby Cup Jr. And so with this, um, we did engage with Bobby Cup Jr. to come in and look at the land that you know we were going to be having to use now. And there were several different um, you know, possibilities that went back and forth. The, the, the main area that we um, was going to be interrupted, we had two par fives in there. So we looked at anything from uh, trying to potentially squeeze a par three and a par four in there, a par three and a par five. Um, so there was actually quite a bit of back and forth between um, the property here and Bobby Cup and Bobby coming out and doing a site visit and walking with us and looking at the different yardages and really what could we fit into the space that we um, had. And so ultimately the, the final decision of what we currently have right now, um, number 10 was a par five. It's still a par five, but a completely different one. Uh, and then number 18 was a par five and currently is a, is a par three. And so when we looked at it, um, you know, we said, okay, finishing on a par three is not what you would consider traditional within the, in golf. Uh, and so we're like, well, this better be a really awesome uh, par three to finish on. So the original design that came back to us did not have it be, um, as you described, an, an island uh, par three, which I'm sure you have a pretty cool shot of uh, that we can show everybody. Uh, but uh, we ended up working with Bobby around that and, and, and creating um, the par three, right? I mean, obviously the most famous uh, par three that everybody kind of thinks about here is uh, number number 17 at Sawgrass. It kind of was the, the what sparked the mind to, to do something like that. Chris, I've, I've, I've played the course before, but it's been a little while, you know, living in San Diego, getting to Orlando. I don't get there to play golf as I don't get everywhere to play golf as often as I'd like, maybe. But um, talk about some of the other changes to the course. I do remember 17 was a par three, correct? And then it got extended to a drivable par four at some point within the last couple of years. So there were some changes com coming into this. When you, when you changed the course from a par five 18th to a par three 18th, what did you just reduce par on the course or did you extend somewhere else on the course? What, what other changes maybe went on to accommodate this change? Yeah. Well, in a second here, so Josh has joined me. So uh, I'll uh, allow him to talk about the change that you just talked about number 17 being a, a par three and then going to a par four. But um, in general, we looked at every opportunity that we had on the golf course to try and, lengthen a hole to get another par or to do something different. But just the way that the property lays out, um, we were unfortunately landlocked there to where we didn't have the opportunity to do anything else with the, the golf course. So we ultimately just went from a par 72 down to a, a par 70. But um, I'll, I'll swivel here and uh, Josh can elaborate <laughs> a little bit more on the, uh, the change that we had on uh, number 17 because he was kind of here during that time frame. Mr. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. So yeah, prior to this, just kind of, uh, you know, continuing to what Chris was talking about, it wasn't too many years ago, maybe you can talk about that, that um, the 17th hole got extended from three to four. 
uh, short, drivable par four. Were you guys par 71 prior to that change? Is that what happened? Correct. We were par 71 at the time. That was two summers ago. Uh, we made that change. And it was a par three, 220 yards or so from the very back tee over water to a very narrow left to right green. So it was very not receptive and very challenging for guests. So um, we had a little bit of land behind the last tee box that we were able to uh, cut down some trees, build two more tee boxes, push that back tee all the way to 275 yards and uh, create a little more landing area in front of the green, which allowed us to make it a, in essence, a drivable par four or for the average golfer, a, you know, a shot to land in the approach and have a good chip at the green. We didn't do any changes to the green complex. Um, so the green is still pretty hard to hit and it's not very receptive for a par four, you know, if you're going for it in one. Uh, but it's a pretty fun hole. In my mind, it's an easy par, but almost an impossible birdie, um, just because it's so hard to hit that green. Um, so where before, it was almost always a bogey for the average golfer. Yeah, or, or, or double. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway. Josh, when you guys are um, undertaking changes like this, I mean, I know that the, I mean, you can address them better than I can. So I maybe don't even know how to ask the question the right way. When we talk to a lot, you know, I work with a lot of golf course operators, as does Kyle. Um, I know that the, a number of them that are listening to us right now go through the challenges of being forced, basically, like you guys were in this case, because of changes to the property to make changes to your golf course. Talk a little bit about some of the, the, the challenges there from agronomic challenges to um you know a, a little bit of everything i like i said i don't even know necessarily how to frame the question because i don't know what all the challenges are but i'm i'm sure that when you you share a little bit of it it's going to shed some light on some things and and maybe make some sense to other course operators that are dealing with the same yeah you know one of the biggest challenges we've faced here over the years is uh you know a lot of changes to the golf course in order to better utilize the land more valuable to the resort and uh, our owners and stuff like that. So over the years, we've had to make a lot of changes to the golf course. And through that process, the ages of our greens, if, uh, they're not all the same age anymore. So some were built in 2010, some were regressed, you know, or we built three new ones this year, obviously. Some were regressed two years, some were regressed three or four years ago. So agronomically, it becomes challenging to maintain greens that are of different ages, different, uh, you know, slightly changes in the turf type from the mutation or how things just change over time. Um, although all the grass is the same on all the holes, you know, things just change over time through mutation or uh, environmental situations. So that's probably the biggest challenge we're facing currently and will continue to face um, is just how things have developed over the years. Very cool. Now I know you got a variety of, of grasses in use. Why, you know, why the mix and, and how is it spread out around the track and, and talk about the challenge of the tower limiting sunlight and whatnot. Yeah, so the three new holes, um, the greens are diamond zoysia, which is the same as all the other golf holes on the greens. But we made the change to uh, put in tip grand collars and approaches. Um, the decision with that couple 
reasonings for that is it's a darker green Bermuda grass, so we think it'll show well next to the more of a lime green diamond zoysia color. It's also a grass that you can mow a little bit tighter than the traditional 419 or other varieties that are out there. So it'll lend itself to, you know, the average resort guest being able to either try to put it up onto the green if necessary or hit a chip um, to the greens. And then other than that, we put in uh, celebration fairways and celebration tee tops on the new holes. And the majority of our uh, tee tops on the golf course are celebration Bermuda. And uh, that variety of grass is just one that recovers a little quicker than other varieties that are available out there. Um, so that's why we made that choice. And then as far as the rough on the three new holes, we used 419 Bermuda grass, which is one that's been around for a long time. And the majority of the rest of the golf course is 419, um, but it lends itself to a little bit um, denser, thicker rough where the celebration Bermuda grasses and things like that can kind of get flaky and more stinty where the ball just sits right down in the soil and it's hard to find the ball or hard to hit out of. So the 419 is more of a traditional lie uh, rough for Florida. I know that when you guys make physical changes, because I have to deal with it on the scorecard end of things for a lot of our clients, um, you know, at Gallus, what's, what's the involvement from the USGA? I know you've done it before, so how's it different now in a COVID world than what it was before? And, you know, of course, it's making a change. Is there, what's the process for them to, to make sure that gets handled? Yeah, so obviously with changing the par and everything, the, the slope and the rating is going to uh, change. So the way that they're handling right now, so the Florida State Golf Association reached out to them, um, and ultimately uh, they indicated that they're not coming out to the golf courses uh, right now to, to rate them. Uh, so what we did was we sent uh, the FSGA the drawings from Bobby Cup Jr., uh, the new yardages, so the drawings showed out where that – you know, the hazards were where um, bunkers, uh, it had the square footage of the greens on them, obviously all of your distances. And so ultimately uh, they rated, re-rated the golf course uh, based on the drawings um, that we had provided to them. So it's kind of interesting that they were able to, to do that. I don't know if we covered this or not, but just, you know, we'll throw up some stats here on the course. What is, what is the new total yardage tips to green and, and uh, how long is it playing now? So it's, it's almost, it's right at 6,300 from the tips. Okay. Yep, so par 70, 6,300. So um, in general with the rating, um, when it came back, um, you know, because it actually was interesting that it got a little easier um, from the rating uh, when it came back. But, you know, now that we've got an island uh, par three, kind of uh, par five that was relatively the same, the fact that it got easier uh, was a bit interesting. So I'll be... Um, you know, whenever they, when the FSGA does start coming back out to actually play the golf courses and rate them, it would be interesting to see what the new rating is um, when it comes back, if it matches or if it becomes a little bit harder than what they, they, what they think it is. Isn't the tip on uh, 18, 204 yards to the center of the green? Yeah, 204 from the center. So it's a complete carry. You're about 180, 185 to clear the bulkhead. So it's not a it's not a bunted par three. It's not an easy hole to get to. Did you make it because it's an island green? Is it bigger than the average green on the golf course to accommodate that a little bit? Or 
what are you, in I general, mean, for the greens that we have on the golf course themselves, it actually is a little bit bigger than those. Um, but in comparison to the three new greens that were, you know, brand new that were just built, it's about the same size. It's about 6,400 square feet. Um, so, you know, when you walk on it, um, it feels like a really big green and when you're up close to it, but, uh, yeah, at 204, it, it, it looks pretty. Uh, yeah, pretty nothing's cool. nothing's big at 204 yards to, <laughs> to the average golfer. Well, I mean, you know, if, if you don't want to take that on, you can come up. Uh, we have there's a tee box that's uh, right at 80 yards. So, uh, you know, we, we, I don't know, but I'm a man. I've got to play the back <laughs> tees. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I am afraid that that is what we are going to encounter. Is that, yeah. Uh, might have a, a soda pop or two uh, out there on the course and you get to the uh, 18th green and you're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta take it on from the back. Yeah. Well, as long as uh, scuba Steve is hanging out there around the Island, you guys will be stocked up on waterlogged golf balls. So that'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and Josh was kind of talking about it a little bit that we have the uh, diamonds, Louisa greens uh, on the course, which is something very unique um, for the central Florida um, area and other golf courses. So, um, I like that Josh just kind of talk about the process that we uh, went through and, and why we actually even have Diamond Zoysia uh, on our greens. Yeah, well, please do, Josh. I, I mean, I know that, I mean, most everybody in your area is Bermuda greens, correct? That is correct. Um, yeah, kind of the backstory of why we have Diamond Zoysia greens is when I started here in 2013, uh, they had historically struggled with a handful of greens primarily because of shade issues from the towers of the hotel, um, which is understandable. So did a bunch of research and we looked at moving some greens to areas that, you know, would have a little more sunlight, did some studies with light meters and things of that nature to try to identify where we could move them. But ultimately we kind of figured, you know, we're not gonna be able to move greens to a spot that's gonna have the uh, optimal sunlight for Bermuda grass. And uh, we would have went with Tip Eagle Bermuda grass, because that's kind of the standard that Marriott prefers and it's, you know, tried and true. So knowing that that grass wasn't going to do as well in this situation, we started looking kind of outside the box and we regressed our four hole to uh, Diamond Zoysia um, in 2014 and uh, basically studied it for a year. It did awesome. It didn't lose any turf. It handled the shade, handled the wear and tear, the cold of the winter perfectly. So the following year, uh, we were able to finish regressing the front nine greens to the diamond zoysia. And then uh, one year after that, we did the back nine greens. So all the greens were done, you know, in a matter of a couple of years to the diamond zoysia. And for us, it's been an absolute home run. Um, have very little issues with disease or losing of turf or anything like that. Um, in the wintertime, you know, from October through April, which is our main season, uh, the greens are healthy. Their green speed is really good, you know, depending on how much cold weather we're getting, you know, whether we're getting frost, uh, frost in the mornings or not. Um, we've had winters where they're rolling 13 day in and day out without any effort from us from trying to double cut or roll. And then more in the typical warmer winter, uh, you know, they're 10 and a half to 11 and a half without any effort. So that's perfect for us as a resort. Um, it's also a really good grass because it's very durable, very little ball marks. It's hard to um, get ball marks on it. So that's nice for the putting surface, hardly any grain. So that's the one thing that we get a lot of feedback from is 
even when they're rolling a little bit slower than we would like, people kind of tend to think that it's rolling a pretty good pace because there is no grain. When they hit it online, it goes exactly where they want it to go. You talk about no ball marks. I mean, I think that that would be huge for a lot of courses. Are the greens, when they're not marking, are they still just as receptive to, to holding? They are. Um, you know, you'll see kind of maybe like a little bit of more of a dent than, you know, getting that tough of grass that comes up with a ball mark. So we right. still, of course, you know, try to repair any ball marks that we may find. Or, and we uh, roll pretty much every other day, if not every day especially in the busy season. So the green stay smooth from that. And, uh, you know, it's just about providing that perfect uh, playing surface every day for the guests. Nice. What was the total project timeline? How long was the course out of uh, playing commission? And I, I know the public kind of opening, if you will, is Thursday the 17th. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there on the preview on Wednesday. But t take us through the timeline. How long was the project? So the total project was, was it four and a half months for, yeah, we, we closed down the, the course uh, in the hotel uh, due to COVID. Uh, April the 8th was our last day. And then um, a week after that, the contractor started mobilizing. And then- and You probably would have engaged the project in the same timeline with or without COVID or did that amplify the timeline in any way? Uh, we moved up the timeline because this this project this project was scheduled to happen uh, this summer uh, anyway. But we were going to operate as a 15-hole golf course through the summer. Um, but once you um, put on top of that, right, the impacts of COVID, it just made sense for us to close the golf course for the entire summer, do the renovation, and then reopen uh, all 18 holes. So, uh, but we were it, it accelerated by about two weeks um you know we were supposed to start um kind of right there the first of may uh anyway with getting the contractors mobilized and, and out here and then you know we're opening uh this coming thursday september the 17th and so joshua it's been six weeks of growing so you know uh probably the third week of april they started actually uh you know with the bulldozers and everything here and then six weeks ago uh, is when the contractors actually finished their work and, and Josh and his team have been growing in all the turf uh, 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 since then. Chris, Island Green must be uh, pretty cool in some respects, especially with Island Greens in Florida and you know famous ones upstate from you a little bit. What, um, it must be fun to think about marketing this and drawing people back into the resort as you get everything back open and, you know, kind of the hype around it. What, what have you guys been up to there? Yeah, as far as uh, uh, marketing? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with getting it out there, I mean, the nice thing is obviously being um, part of the Marriott family. Um, you know, we get to leverage uh, from Marriott golf standpoint, uh, all the all the people that, that are in their database and, and then also leveraging, obviously, our own database that we have here at the property. Uh, we've had some fun with uh, social media. Uh, so uh, throughout uh, our pages uh, with Hawks Landing, we just did a um, how to construct an island uh, green. So it started from where we uh, dewatered the pond, uh, where we pushed out the dirt to kind of start forming uh, where the green's going to go. 
from putting in the pilings uh, and the vertical boards ultimately to build the bulkhead uh, all the way around. Uh, backfilling the, um, you know, the, the new, uh, we'll call the cavity of the, uh, the island green um, and put in the bunkers. Uh, so all the bunkers here uh, at the property are capillary concrete uh, bunkers. So it's your porous concrete that allows water to go right through it, which is, uh, uh, Josh, I'm sure will echo this. It's fantastic to have when you get a big downpour uh, so that you don't have any washouts or anything uh, in your bunkers. And then um, putting in the uh, greens mix and then ultimately, uh, you know, resodding, uh, putting the grass on it and all the contouring. Uh, Josh, uh, the greens mix went with 80-20, correct? Correct. Yeah, so 80% uh, uh, sand, 20% organic matter. Um, and then also throughout that whole process, right, having uh, Bobby Cup uh, Jr. come back out on site and, and direct the contractors on the contouring of the greens. And he would bring his basketball out and roll the basketball along the green to see kind of how the how it's going to flow and shape and uh, it's all a really cool uh, really cool process. Very cool. But, um, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Obviously, uh, you know, we really want everybody to come out and, uh, and see the course. The course is in fantastic shape, but also to uh, try your luck on uh, the finishing 18. Oh, hey, Rob. Yeah, I'll hit the green. Don't worry. If we're tied going into 18, we're going to, we're going to break the tie. There's no doubt. About I, that. <laughs> I've played golf with you before. 204 for you is like a three quarter seven iron. So I, I know what it's like playing with you, Chris. It's <laughs> so, well guys, thanks so much. It was great having you on this, the 10th episode of the GIR. We made it which, to double digits, Rob. Yep. Which the GIR on an Island green for all of you wondering is one. one. <laughs> That's what it is. You get and one chance on Wednesday. I can get in in less than one. Ten. I would like to see some video of that, please. Mr. It's, Taylor. It's forthcoming. forthcoming. <laughs> Shout Very out good. to the excellent work that Billy cup jr. Did and, and the team from Marriott. We appreciate you guys contributing to the, the GIR podcast and uh, I guess that's another episode in the books, Rob. Very good. Cool. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks a lot.